Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And after a long hiatus, I am back for another episode of Joe Talk. This is me, Joe Serpico, and the other side of the mic is Joe Broback, who really held the podcast down while I was away in Europe. What's going on, my friend? Hey, sometimes the lead man is gone for a while, and you got to just pick up the slack and carry the team for a while. And I, yeah, just, I did my part. Next man up mentality. I like it. Yeah, did a hell of a job while I was gone, too. Good to have you back. In some ways, I'm glad to be back. In plenty of other ways, I wish I was still there. Trust me. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I know that feeling. Yeah. Uh, like I was telling you before we got started, though, the one thing that I was dying with was I didn't get to watch a whole lot of TV over there. I mean, why you go on vacation and watch TV? But I was just – the itch for football was real while I was over there. And we finally got it this week. We did. And it was it was plenty entertaining. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I cannot wait for week two, which might be more entertaining than week one. Yeah, can't argue that. There's uh there's some big games, not just on the uh you know, with the, the bigger teams in the the country. There's a couple sweet G five games that are coming up this week too that we'll get a chance to talk about in a little bit. But I guess the uh, the basis of this show is obviously we're going to do a short recap of some of the games that happened in week one. Uh, Joe came up with a couple great games, so we don't sound redundant just talking about uh, regular football games all the time. We're going to do some couple of things that he came up with that I'm really excited to dive into. And then you know we'll end the show kind of previewing what's ahead in week two. But I guess let's uh, get it started with. I know you. I know you put it in the order, uh, a different order here. But I guess the uh, the one team that really stuck out. I guess to really everybody that's a fan of the American Athletic Conference, and that was Tulane's. You know, I mean, not just beating FIU, but really putting a thumping on them. Yeah, it was. Well, it w- <laughs> depends on who you ask because I think a lot of people expected Tulane to be this team that, well, last year they expected them to be the team that would surprise people in the conference, and that didn't happen. So they just did the same thing this year, and now it looks like it might actually come true. And FIU was one of those teams in Conference USA, USA that I think a lot of us thought would be the Tulane of Conference USA, and and they still very well, very well might be, but. Tulane took it to them at home, and they look like a team that's going to give the West a run for the, for their money, give Houston and Memphis a run, and it's you know they, people think that they're going to give Auburn a good show too. So we'll see about that. Yeah, even uh, SMU, you know, so they looked pretty pretty solid in their win over against Arkansas State too. So the West is, uh, I think, it's going to be a lot more competitive than this year than probably than we probably thought maybe a month ago. Oh, for now, sure. Yeah, and then, I mean, the the East is still kind of, we still got to kind of see what's going on there. I think that's still technically, well, you, I think UCF is still a little bit ahead of Cincinnati, but, you know, I think it's between those two teams. I don't really can't imagine any other teams in, on that side there really competing for the East, but that's why you play the game, right? Exactly. 
who knows what's going to happen. Um, but I guess let's dive into a little bit more in detail on that that Tulane FIU game, a forty-two to fourteen win, and you know, it was one of those games where you know it was really a kind of a coming out party for Justin McMillan. I mean, he was just so efficient in that game. And what, what we know is usually a run-first offense. I mean, they ran for 350 yards in a game. But it was just the way that he, you know, the entire two-lane offense was just so efficient and basically had their way with FIU's defense. Now, you know, Eric, who does the uh, Conference USA podcast and is our FIU reporter for Underdog Dynasty, I mean, he was talking about it leading into the game that the biggest weakness for FIU was their uh, rush defense, and you really saw that in this opening week. Yeah, it was uh, – well, it, you know, give credit to Justin McMillan and what he did. He, you know, he only threw for, I think, 199 yards passing, but like you said, he was very efficient. The whole offense – the offense as a whole was just efficient. There are a bunch of – I think they had – Four or five guys rushed for more than 50 yards. It was just very well distributed. Uh, we, you know, Darnell Mooney did his thing. Four catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. It's the offense just looked very, very sound. And honestly, it's kind of it's kind of rare for a first week to, for them to look that good because you know, as we saw, you look at like a team like Memphis or even ECU, they just they they struggled and. It's you know you don't you don't get to see a team in, in the first week of college football play so well and so cohesively together. Yeah, Willie Fritz has definitely got something going on down in uh, New Orleans down there. I think the uh, you know the coolest thing to see was you know they, I think they punted on the opening drive and then scored on seven of their next eight possessions. Or, excuse me, on six of their next seven possessions. That's what it was. Their number yeah, that's time. okay. But, yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, there's your 42 points right there, really, if you think about it. 7-12 uh, to 12 on third downs. I mean, you, you don't usually see numbers like that. I mean, even at the professional level, you don't even see those kind of numbers usually. And, I mean, the only real knock that I could have on Tulane in this game was they did commit 12 penalties. But other than that, you, you've got to be – Super impressed with the way Tulane showed up in this game. Yeah, it's they definitely made a statement right away, and I think going into this year with everybody's expectations of them, they had something to prove, and they made a statement and said, "Hey, we're we're legit this year, and we're going to continue proving that." Yeah, but they got a they got a tough game ahead this week. I think that'll be one to. Uh, That'll kind of let us know if they really, really are contenders in the West or whether, you know, this was just FIU just laying a dud in the opening week. Because I I, I think we can both agree that we didn't expect. I expected Tulane to win the game, but I didn't think they win that convincingly. Yeah, I think everyone expected to be closer. Yeah, Uh, I I have no arguments with that. Um, Well, let's not spend too much time on Tulane because, granted, they did beat another G5 team. Let, let's talk now about one of the t- it was the two AAC teams that knocked off a Power 5 opponent, and we'll start with Memphis. The UConn Huskies. Oh, no? no? no. Oh, they played an FCS team. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about those guys in a little bit. They played. Yeah. They barely beat an FCS team. Good guy. I think that's all you need to say, right? They barely beat an FCS team. Same thing as last year, right? Yeah. At least, at least they didn't allow 50 points this year. I think we summarized the whole game right there. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. But the, I mean, I, I would say that of the two wins over the Power Five schools, it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination but memphis pulling off that 15 to 10 win against ole miss um like i said not pretty for offenses now i think what the what we should talk about is memphis's defense you know I, I think we can say that about a couple of these teams in the conference actually after week one you know we we bashed a lot of these defenses last year but after one week we saw some solid defense in the AAC, starting with you know, Memphis being one of them. Well, and I've been saying it for a while that Memphis returned last year. They turned a ton of experience, and the defense just didn't pan out. And uh, I actually had uh, Evan Barnes from, uh, I forget where he right though, the commercial appeal uh, in Memphis. And he talked about how there was just kind of a lack of leadership within that group and i think guys just weren't ready for the roles that they were put in even though they they came back with a ton of experience and he said this year it's kind of a different story you have again a bunch of guys with experience but i think there's a handful like of guys that that are ready for that leadership role and memphis honestly like we knew well the offense struggled but we knew that the offense would be a strength for this team and the defense would be kind of the question mark going into the season. And they showed that, Hey, we can, we can carry, carry the team for a while. And Memphis had, it's, you know, another, it's kind of a weird trend. They have this second half, like just drought that where they can't score. And the defense scored the only points of the second half for Memphis with the safety. But it's if they if Memphis defense continues to play like this and the offense can get back to where we know they can play, this is a very dangerous team. Uh, I'll point out that your uh, top four quarterback was less than stellar, but you know Patrick Taylor did his thing, and there's a bunch of playmakers that were doing their jobs on the offense as well. Patrick Taylor is going to be the guy to watch on that team this year, I think. He's hurt for next week, though. He has, yeah. like, a high ankle sprain. Yeah, I did see that. And, uh, oh, God, I'm slipping on the kid's name. The guy the, that basically took over Tony Pollard's role. Oh, Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell. I thought it was Gainwell. But I didn't want to butcher it. Um, yeah, he's going to be a dude. Yeah, he, really, he looked real good. I was very impressed with him. Um, and, yes, Brady White did not look so hot. But I have a feeling those games, and we'll get it cooking this week when they take on Southern. I think he, he'll finally find ways to uh, get it going for the Memphis offense because they're going to need it. But Well, they're going to need also, it when they play better teams because the knock on Brady White right now is that he plays well against bad competition or weaker competition, and he doesn't play so well against strong competition or t- – you know, power five competition, and he's so far continuing that trend. So they're going to need him to reverse that trend and pick things up. Yeah, no arguments with that. Now, on the flip side, if you're Memphis, I mean, they went into this game against Ole Miss, actually, as a favorite. And a fun little stat is they are the only G5 or P6 team 
that is favored in every game this year. So they do, you know, I picked Memphis to be the team that represent the, the G5 in the New York Six. And as long as they do their part, I mean, because the schedule really works out in their favor for them this year, they'll be there. Yep. So we'll we'll see. Got some things to fix, but we will see. Now, before we uh, we get away from that, I, uh, let's stress the fact that, again, they beat an Ole Miss team. You know, maybe not the strongest team in SEC. They did lose a lot in the draft uh, this past year. But anytime you hold an SEC team to 173 yards of offense, and they only allowed one third down conversion in the whole game, I mean, that's impressive. I, I don't care who you're playing against. But to do that to an SEC team, that's great. And I didn't write down the numbers, but if I remember correctly, Memphis actually is winning that series, and it's not just like by it's by more than a couple games as well. Really? Yeah, I think if I I don't have it written down, but I think they have like a like a four or five game lead in that series. Hmm. Didn't know that. Yeah. Was, Look at uh, you coming with the facts after vacation. Hey, man, I had to come back with a bang, my friend. I had to make sure I didn't forget everything while I was over there because I did do a lot of boozing while I was there, too. <laughs> That's all right. That's what vacation's for, right? Exactly. All right, but we can't not bring up the uh, national champions from two years ago. I mean, they did have the, uh, the biggest win in the conference. Yeah, I was over an FCS team in that 62 to nothing win against Florida A&M, but I guess... You know, the thing to talk about really in this game was Brandon Wimbush's first game at quarterback. We did get to see a little bit of Dylan Gabriel as well. So uh, I guess kind of my my question for you, because I know it was one of the uh, one of the over under things that you you threw on me last week, was your assessment of I guess let's start with Brandon Wimbush and then go to uh, Dylan Gabriel. It's honestly, it's kind of tough when you when they play Florida A and M to begin with. But I will say that Wimbish looked good early on, and he did what he needed to do. He made some throws that were tough, and he fit some balls in tight windows. And yeah, he 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 looked good, as good as you can look uh, against an FCS team. So that's promising for them. There's you know you can only take so much off of a win against uh, like a Florida A&M uh, who didn't look good at all. But, you know, Wimbush did what he needed to do. Gabriel looks like he he's going to be the guy in the future, at least next year or the year after that, depending on Mackenzie Milton's situation. But, yeah, they look good. They scored 62 points, cause, so clearly the offense hasn't skipped a beat, and we'll see what they look like against FAU. Uh, not going to lie. I'm a little bit surprised by that assessment of Wimbush because I, I personally was not that impressed. I thought he was solid. It's you know you, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you tell you he was the best quarterback in the conference, but he was what he finished. Oh, he finished 12 of 23, so not great, but like he made some throws that I was like, okay, it looks good, but I don't know. You looked as good as you, I don't know. I thought he looked good, but I'm not going to... He had two fumbles, 
Oh, I didn't see I that mean, part. I yeah, didn't watch yeah. the game that much. I just saw was, a couple of highlights. So yeah, I was flipping back and forth because revelation. By the way, maybe, I don't know if it was just a week one thing, but I get CBS Sports Network all of a sudden. I know I've been crapping on them for like <laughs> two years now. I literally was like, you know what? Let me just turn it on channel, see if it works, and it did. So I was like, so I did watch it for a little bit, and. There was there was the one throw I think it was the the opening touchdown to uh to Gabriel Davis and I don't know I, I feel like that was more of a play that like if he throws that ball up against a non FCS team a safety is making a play on that ball I think that was, that had more to do with you know Davis is just I mean you could just see a huge size differential between the players on UCF and the players of Florida A and I feel like Gabriel just towered over the entire secondary right well and yeah it's just it can't you can't really overanalyze a game against an fcs team because you don't really they won 62-0 so i'm sure a lot of Wimbush's throws were just kind of i don't know you you don't like to say that they have this mentality but it's like well whatever it's an fcs team we're just gonna chuck it up and you know my guy's probably gonna come down with it so i think maybe that's what you know maybe that was just a fact of that that because it was an fcs team that he was just making these, these throw. I mean, there was a couple throws. It was not just that one. I just can vividly remember like two or three other throws, and I was just like, man, if he throws that up against you know any team in the AAC, let's just put it that way, you know, I would think that a defender was coming down with the ball. Now, on the flip side, I thought Dylan Gabriel definitely looked like he is the future at the position. He just seems you know, cool, cool, calm, collected. Yeah, I mean, super efficient. Nine of thirteen for three TDs. I just thought that you know, I think we're gonna see a lot of both guys at least early on, and then because I I don't think this situation has been settled. No, I agree, and I mean I've I've said that I don't think UCF's gonna be as explosive as they've been in the past. Now, granted, you know they. They put up 62 points, so that's that's something to acknowledge. But it's Wimbush just isn't the quarterback that Milton is, and I think he can be solid. And granted, I watched honestly, I probably watched maybe like the first couple drives, and then after that, it was on to the Cincinnati game because that one was more <laughs> intriguing to watch, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, you can't take too much from one game, and you definitely can't take too much from a game against an FCS team that you absolutely destroy. So, I agree. If you, you know Wimbush, some of the throws that he makes, you can't do that against. You're not going to be able to do that against like a Memphis or a, even a Cincinnati, which their secondary is really good. So you can't just throw those balls up and expect your guy to come down with it every time. And yeah, it's just it's going to be. A little different, and honestly, we'll see what that looks like against FAU because it's not like FAU's just going to lie down and let UCF do whatever. So we'll see. Yep, it's going to be a uh, an exciting week too. Um, like you said before we started, I feel like this week is going to be. Uh, some way more. I mean, we had some fun in that in that first week, but we're gonna learn a lot more about these teams in week two. But I guess this this is the point where uh, 
we play your little one of your little games that you came up with. I'm actually really excited to get into one of these things here. Yeah, so over under just this, you know, it's, all games are stupid in my opinion, but it's just a matter of having fun and if it's stupid and you're having fun, who cares? So over under, so I'll explain it again so, you know, you can understand it and uh everybody else still continues to understand it is uh we pick four different stats for each other. So I'll pick four, you pick four, and the other person will guess based on the stats that are given to us. And so the goal of the game ultimately is to be the closest to zero at the end of the year. Uh, if you guess a stat correctly right on the dot, which is very difficult to do, but that's why we do we do two different types of stats. You do smaller numbers for two of them, so you have a chance of getting it exactly right, which we had a couple last week that were close but not right on. So if you get it exactly right, your score automatically wipes out to zero. We're just going to do that because if you guess something right on the dot, you deserve to be rewarded. So that's what we're going to do. And then, you know, you get basically, if you're over, you get over whatever. So last week, Mike guessed Memphis total yards to be 470, and they only got 364. So that's a difference of 106. He was over 106. So that's Joe's score for this week for that game. So pretty simple. It's actually pretty fun to think about because there are just things that you probably didn't think about coming into this week and different stats that you don't pay attention to, and now you have to make a guess on it. So that's the, that's game number one, and we'll get to game number two later. All right, do you want me to get it started? Yeah, go for it. Well, first, so after one week, you are at plus 95, and I'm at plus 42. Yeah, so that means I'm on a closer to zero. You said right? Nope. So you're you're farther from zero because you're at plus ninety five. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you're winning because you're. Closer oh, I thought to you zero. said you were you were closer. Yeah, I got you. Yes. So I'm I'm winning because I'm closer to zero. So there's kind of a little game you could, like here you could guess under, a lot on some of these, so you get closer to zero. But you never know what's gonna happen. So that's the beauty of this game. So. Yeah, get us started. Give me your four. I'll take some guesses. I'll write everything down, and then I'll give you my four. All right. So I'll I'll start with the with I guess would be the easier of the uh, of the four that I have here. And like I said, this this week is got some. There's some games where the conference looks like you know, they'll run away with them, and there are some tough games ahead. So. I guess for my first one I'm going to give you is there's 10 games this week, so over under six wins for the AAC this week. Okay, let me explain it to you. Let me let me start this over. So you're gonna you're gonna tell me just you don't give me a number. I'll give you a number. Ah. Does that make sense? Okay. So do I you, just... do you want to change your pick? That's fine. So so uh, let me give you so last last week. One of mine was number of points that Wagner would score against UConn. I didn't give a number. The only reason why it's called over-under is your score is either over or under zero, obviously. So we don't do – it's not like a typical over-under. So I said, give me the number of points that Wagner will score against UConn. And then Mike Mike gave me a number of 21 – or 24, excuse me. So uh, I thought I got to set the number for you. No. it's uh, right. It makes it a little bit more – 
I mean that that that's that's cool, but I didn't want to do like a traditional like over under, you know, and then you give a number for me. So that we'll give you you give the number based on with with your guess, I should say. Does that make sense? Now I got you. So well, do you want so, you want I mean, to do that? Yeah, that's fine with me. Well, I mean, I'll still stick to that one because I don't have anything else written down. So I guess okay, give so me give me your number of wins in the conference this week. Number of wins in the conference. One, There's two, ten games. three, four, five. That was a good over under. Six is a good number. I'm gonna I'm gonna say six just because that's what that's what I think and. Yeah, I have, I have everything off. written down for like in that sense here, but I, I mean I could still use what I have here. I just won't tell you the numbers I have. Well, I guess after the fact I'll tell you what numbers I had written down too. Why not? At this point I have it written here. All right. So you're going with you're going with that number six. Going with number six. Okay. I like I like that number. All right. My next one for the for the lower numbers. Number of points that Cincinnati will score. Against Ohio State this week. Oh, I gotta change mine. I got it. All right, number of points Cincinnati will. I'm worried you're do the same one for my next one too. That was well, the one I, I was more. I'll, I'll don't worry. I'll ch- I'll change mine. It's it's not a big deal. Mine. So mine was gonna be um, Cincinnati and Tulane. Two wow, Tulane. Tulane combined points against because they're playing Auburn and Ohio State. But I'll switch mine. Um, points for Cincinnati against Ohio State. That was a good one. Ah, man. Okay. See, I wasn't impressed with Ohio. I mean, Ohio State gave up, what, 21 points to FAU? Yes. I'm going to say 21. I don't know. I'm not super impressed with Ohio State this year. It's been one game, I know, but... Yeah. So what I so since I didn't know the the exact rules, what I what I wrote down was you know, the number twenty one. Since that was the number of points that FAU scored in Ohio State, so, so dang, that's why I, that's we're why two I, for two. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, uh, like that's the uh, that's the number I had written down as well, twenty one. Wow. Yeah. I tw- uh, yep. Going twenty one. All right. Then for the bigger numbers here. All right. This is this is one since since our, you are a Houston guy, I had to ask this question. But total number of yards the Cougs will put up this week. Total number of yards, so they put up what? They put up three hundred something against Oklahoma. And I'm gonna guess, given if everything goes according to plan, which I'm assuming it is against Prairie View A and M, and given how they did against. Oh, they had 408 against Oklahoma. I'm going to say 590 as my guess. That seems right. ambitious, but we're going had, for it. Well, I had 600 written down. So Jeez, I, that was my original I, thought, too. 600 is another. I think they have something to prove this week. So they're yeah. just going to embarrass uh, Prairie View A&M. Yeah, if you have Deer King, I'd definitely start him on your fantasy team. Oh, no doubt about that. All right, and then my last one. is total number of passing yards for Justin McMillan this week against Auburn. Oh, boy. 
if you hit this number two, like I'm gonna have to like check our brains or something. <laughs> yeah, dude, we've been apart for three weeks and we're already doing this. Man, we are off to a great set. What he had 199 against two or Tulane. They are Tulane against FIU. Man, my brain's not working for words, but I can figure out what you're thinking. Oh boy, against Auburn. Hmm, and Auburn just somehow miraculously beat Oregon with a yeah, freshman quarterback. All right, Justin Herbert had 242. I'm going to say... You're going to say my number, I have a feeling. A hun- I'm just going to say the first number that pops in my head, so I'm going to say 150. Oh, wow, you're going that low. Yeah. The number I had written down was 225. Oh, that's ambitious. I figured if he threw 200 against FIU, he's going to have to throw a oh, little bit more. he didn't throw 200. More. He threw 199. Well, whatever. If he threw 199 against uh, FIU, I figured they're probably going to have to air it out just a little bit more. So that's why I had the number 225 written down. Okay. All right. If I think if Tulane wins that game, it's going to be more. It's going to be around that 225 for sure. I just think that Auburn's still too good for Tulane. But I hope I'm wrong. I honestly hope I'm wrong. Same here. All right. So, all right. So now you, sir. This is like week one for you. You get a, you get a jump in on this. Oh, I got to pick a new one for my second one because our brains are just wired together. Okay. Let me do this. All right, that was easy. Let's just switch that up. All right, first one. There are, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are ten games in the conference this week, which I think is kind of weird that there's a bye week for two teams. Tell me about it. As the Temple guys, one of them. I don't even know who the other team is. Temple and Navy. I think, I think it's Navy, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. All right, 10 games. I need you to tell me the number of turnovers there are going to be for AAC teams. Wow. All right, 10 games. I, mean, I got to look at the slate, the schedule. Real Dude, quick. right? So exactly. Flip, this is, flip, it's not flip, as easy as you think. Like, it's not it just like what's what is what is since you know Cincinnati's score going to be? What is Ohio's? You know, you gotta. There's some that you really got to think about. All right. So even if you're saying there's one in every game, you're already at ten. A couple of these teams might have two or three. Right. You figure UConn's going to have about ten by themselves. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. <laughs> I'm gonna. I don't want to. I'm making you think really hard for the first first week of this. That's all right. I like this. I'm gonna go with. I feel like that number's too low. I'm gonna go with 21. 21. Wow. You think I went high there? My guess was gonna be about like. 14 but i i don't blame you for going 21 to be completely honest i'm going yeah just because i could see a couple in that cincinnati game 
I can Cincinnati see could easily have two or three. Memphis could easily have one. That's what I'm see. That's I, I'm already like in my head. I was like, okay, put one for every team already because I mean it is college football, it, right? Because teams are going to make up for it. You're going to have ten at least. Yes. So watch, they're going to have one this week. How bad would that be? Right. I would be way off then. I mean, yeah, I think even you know even the UCF is going to could turn the ball over once or twice against FAU. So. And one of these teams could have, I mean, UConn, like you said, could have four or five with how terrible they are. I've barely beaten Wagner. Right. So. 21. Yeah. I like it. 21. I think, All right. I, let's, yeah, let's stick with 21. Yeah, I found, so last week I had, I changed a couple of my guesses. And if I would have stuck with my original guess, I would have done better. So I was like, you know what? Just go with your gut. It doesn't matter in the end anyways, so just stick with what you think right away. All right, number two I have. So originally I had Cincinnati and Tulane combined points because they're playing teams that they're probably not going to beat, but maybe they will. So I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to go total points for San Jose State against Tulsa and Illinois against UConn. Combined in the two games? Yeah, so the number of points San Jose State scores plus the number of points that Illinois scores. Okay, that way. All right, got you. San Jose, San Jose State, I'm going to be honest, I know nothing about this year. Exactly. That's what makes this game hard is you can pick, especially know, non-conference, you can, just pick, you can just pick random, like, you know, how many points is Prairie View going to score? I don't know anything about Prairie View. I'm just going to guess. Yeah, right? All right, total number of points between those two teams. Tulsa's defense was pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, they could have easily been in that Michigan State game. I thought the defense really showed out a little bit. Gosh, their offense was so bad. We're yeah, into that, but yeah. holy crap, that was atrocious. And then Illinois, another team I've... I didn't. I have no idea. I know they went one and zero, but I don't even know who they beat in week one. Um, I'm gonna go with. God, they're playing UConn too, and it's a twenty point spread. Seventy seven. Seventy seven. I think that's a good number. I probably would have said seventy five to be completely honest. So I like that. 77. 11 touchdowns. There you go. Perfect. All right, number three. Now we get into the bigger numbers. So, number three I have is North Texas and SMU play this week. So I want you to tell me the combined passing yards for Mason Fine and Shane Bouchelle. I think this game is going to be a major shootout, too. I'm going to go seven hundred and ten. Seven hundred ten. That would be fun to watch. I think they both get over three hundred. Okay, there you go. I like I like that. And then you know the change gets me to seven ten. Seven ten. There we go. All right. Okay, that number's bigger than I thought it was going to be. All right. Uh, okay. 
Final one for you. Final one. I want you to tell... Oh, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. Can't be just switching it up last second, man. Eh? Well, I want you don't even know what it is. What do you care? Touche. The number. Yeah, I'm. I want to make the number. Uh, you know what? Whatever. We're gonna go for it. It'll be a small number. <laughs> so, USF plays Georgia Tech. USF had like sixty yards last week. I don't know what the number was. I don't care to be completely honest. It's like 130. Jonathan Taylor outgained him by himself. I want you to tell me the number of total yards USF's going to have against Georgia Tech. Well, I would hope they have a better showing this week because I don't think that Georgia Tech is anywhere close to Wisconsin. You would be correct. It's your guy, though, Jeff Collins, man. He's going to have that offense figured out. That ain't yeah, my the, guy anymore. What? He ain't my guy no more. Dude, dude I can this. understand you being mad at Manny Diaz, but come on. Jeff Collins is your dude. Georgia Tech. Mm. Georgia Tech's got a lot to figure out. It's trying to switch from that triple option to a spread, but that's not the question. They scored 21 against Clemson. Or is it 14? I didn't write the number down, so... 14 against Clemson. Against USF, how many yards USF is going to have? See, I think they... I'm going to go... Let's see, I have the numbers. Where did I put the number? That they, so they had 157 yards last week. So I'm going to go... 360. 360. Man, your number's really big this week. Why not? What I, I think they need, and if let's be honest, if they don't do something like anywhere between 350, 360, I don't think they're winning again this week. Yeah, that's true. All right, so right now your points add up to 1,168 minus 767. I feel like I should change one of my numbers. Can't do it. All right. You stick to your guns. You just said it earlier. No, I mean my one of mine that I gave you, because your number is is significantly higher than mine is. It's all good. We'll figure it out. All right. By, if you want to lose, man, I'm just telling. By season's end, it'll we'll, bounce we'll, out. That's what I mean. By season, once I hit one of these on the dot. Yeah, it'll be good. I'll be good to go. Sweet. All right. There you go. That's you got it. yourself an over under. There's our over-unders for this week. All right, at this point, let's let's talk. We're going to do our biggest surprise and our biggest disappointments inside the conference this week. So I guess I will start with you and ask who was your biggest surprise for the week. Biggest surprise for the week? Uh, honestly, I'm probably going to go Temple. Wow, I think, that's where I was going to. I think you could argue Tulane, but I, but it's not really a surprise though when you, when you're expecting them to be good. I think we all thought that the game would be closer, but the way that they 
they you know they won by what 28 i think that was surprising but i think because given the last two years for temple and how slow they started and last year when they lost to buffalo and or yeah buffalo and villanova i think a lot of us were and they have a new coaching staff so a lot of us were expecting them to struggle early on but they were up what 35 9 at halftime and what was the stat you told me Bucknell had zero yards of offense in the first quarter. Zero yards. Yep. Yeah. So I don't think anybody saw that coming. So I think that's my biggest surprise. You could also make an argument that Navy surprised us, but I'm gonna go Temple. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I had written down, you know, it was it's for a surprise. It's you know, it's probably easy to pick Memphis, Cincinnati, and especially Tulane. But yeah, the reason why I'm picking Temple is yeah yeah it was Bucknell so you know it is an FCS team but for me it was just the way that the offense looked like Rod Carey is trying this this high tempo offense and you know a lot of us didn't know what to expect we, I mean let's be honest Temple's never really had a high tempo offense but the way they were getting in and out of plays it looked crisp they looked good Anthony Russo you know I, I you know, there were some people that say maybe Todd Santeo could flirt with that job, kind of because the past two years, there's been a guy that started the first couple games and then he's been replaced. I think Russo cemented himself as the quarterback this season, throwing for 507 yards passing and four touchdowns. Or no, excuse me, he threw for 409. The team threw for 507 and racked up 695 yards, and then. Uh, the, the Raymond Davis, uh, a running back for them, was phenomenal. Uh, he came kind of basically out of nowhere. It was everybody just kind of assumed that uh, Jager Gardner was going to run away with that job. But, yeah, and even Rod Carey said after the game, you know, they got to play every single player. And that's a good thing, obviously, moving forward. You, know, you, want, you want everybody to get an experience. But just that offense really impressed me. Because they find ways to get, and again, it is Bucknell, so you know there isn't the the highest quality of opponent, but just the way that the running game, the passing game, even the return game, the defense didn't, you know, the defense didn't allow a uh, a touchdown whatsoever. The the Bucknell's lone touchdown was actually a pick six. That was arguably the only play where Anthony Russo really made a mistake. So. Yeah, I mean, Temple this year, and their receiving core is something to keep an eye on, too. It's not just Isaiah Wright. I mean, Brendan Mack and a, and a guy named Jaden Blue, who just kind of came out of nowhere this year. I mean, they put on a show in week one. So for me, it, I wanted to give some love to my, my alma mater, especially since they don't have a game this week. So. We really are reading each other's minds. I know, because I'm pretty sure that we have the same team for the next category, too. Well, I know we have the same team for the next category. <laughs> I, I know that, just because, I mean, how how can it not be that team? Right? How, I mean, losing, you know, I know who, I mean, just to say, it's USF. I mean, the way the Bulls, 49 and nothing. Yeah, Wisconsin, um, they could definitely be one of the teams come year's end that could be in the college football playoff discussion. But you you expected something, anything from the Bulls 
you said it yourself earlier. I mean, Jonathan Taylor almost outproduced uh, the Bulls by himself. I didn't write no, down. No, he did. He, he had did. like a hundred and. Seventy some yards. Okay, yeah, because I, I wrote down his rushing numbers, one hundred and thirty-five, but I didn't, I didn't write down his uh, receiving stats. Yeah, he had forty-eight yards receiving. Okay, so then yeah, he definitely went over. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think either one of us expected USF to win this game just because. I mean, Wisconsin, like I said, is going to be pretty strong this year, but we expected them to at least score, at least kick a field goal at some point. It was just. It was just ugly all around. I mean, Blake Barnett, 13 to 30, two interceptions, a 4.7 QBR rating. You know, this is a guy that was you know, supposed to be Alabama's quarterback at one point. And, yeah, um, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what's their, uh, their, their quarterback situation down there, but at least after one game, Blake Barnett looked pretty bad. Yeah, it wasn't good, and well, he didn't have any time to throw. To be, to be a little fair to him, oh, he never, they got dominated on both sides of the ball in the trenches. You thought you thought Deer King had no time to throw. Blake Barnett probably had less time, so it it, it was not good, not a good start, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. At, at Georgia Tech. All I gotta say is that. Georgia Tech's the or the game against Georgia Tech has got to go a lot better, way better. Otherwise, you got some serious questions about how good this. I mean, I mean, if they can't muster up a fight against Georgia Tech, I honestly can't see this team finishing the season five hundred. Yeah, I, I, not gonna argue against you there. And I mean, just a couple of weeks ago when we had. Oh, I guess now it's almost a month and a half at this point. But when we had Nathan from the Daily Stampede on, I mean, he kind of, you know, I think we all three of us kind of thought that, hey, based on things we saw in the schedule, yeah, okay, we probably saw this Wisconsin loss coming. But, you know, there was some optimism that maybe they can get to seven, maybe even eight wins. But at least after one week, uh, that's that's not looking too promising. And there were some people out there that thought that Jordan Cronkite should be ranked ahead of some of the other running backs in the conference. I mean, that's an absolute joke after one week. The 26, 26 yards of rushing on 23 carries is pathetic. Well, okay. Care. that also Yeah, it, it, it's not good, but that also has to do with how bad the line was. And, and let's be honest, Cronkite's a solid back, but it's he's he's not like a Patrick Taylor I think Adrian Killens has more of an impact on a game than Cronkite will too, but it's it, if we're going to pick one thing that USF was terrible at is offensive line for sure, and that had a big impact on the game. And I think, well, to not be too negative, Wisconsin's defense actually looked incredible. Yes. That's what I, I remember when I was – you know, watching the game and tweeting about it. That's the side of the ball that I could really tell where they just just dominated USF. Yep. Like, they just flat out, both sides of the ball, just dominated them in the trenches. And, you know, it's it's often overlooked. We look at all the skill position players, but, that, I mean, that's where games really are won. It's true. All right. So... 
Again, we're reading each other's minds. We the are. The disappointing, the disappointment. I knew, I knew we were going to talk about the same game there. Now, if we, you know, just to harp on that UConn game, I mean, barely beating Wagner. I mean, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, but they're they'll. But I guess that be... doesn't really surprise us after what we've seen from UConn. So it, no. it's it makes perfect sense that we both went USF. It's exactly. It, it was the only one that was just really just mind-boggling to think. Exactly. All right, game number two for you, Joe. I'm actually. This is the one I, mean, I struggle with. This I am not gonna lie. Cause, well, because all five of these guys were damn good. You didn't struggle after the first week, even though you didn't pick your own guy. I struggled. So <laughs> we have the Joe Talk Fantasy Challenge, and we won't go over the current standings because some of us only got five points, while others, my co-host, had sixty uh, from not picking anybody. So we gave you Jalen Hurts, who got you sixty points. So. You're in first with 60. Mike and Eric are tied at 30. The Ghost team has 19, and I'm at for five points. Let me talk about it. Adrian Martinez let me down. Uh, so yeah. the Nebraska hype train, huh? I know. I bought into it, and I'm just I'm I'm disappointed in myself. But it's a new week. That means that we can redeem ourselves here. So this week. We have elite running backs as the category, and obviously everybody knows. Uh, Mike and Eric sent us their selections, so we'll get to them when they're up. The uh, the order this week, it goes me, Eric, then it goes you, and then we finish with Mike, and then the ghost team gets whoever's left, as usual. The goal is to not to lose to the ghost team, and if no one loses to the ghost team... Whoever's in last place is actually the loser, or last place of the four is actually the loser. So you don't want to be last, and you certainly don't want to lose to the Ghost team. So elite running backs, the five options this week are Jonathan Taylor against Central Michigan, Travis Etienne against Texas A&M. Is it Chuba Hubbard or Chuba? I don't even know how to say his name. It's Versus McNeese. It's not McNeese State anymore, apparently. Oh, it's that's not? news. Yeah, that's what I because I was looking I at that. Wrote, I even wrote down McNeese State because I, just I know. I'm so used. Yeah, I don't know if they changed. ESPN had him at, at McNeese, but I don't. Whatever. We're not gonna worry about it too much. So Hubbard against McNeese, Zach Moss against Northern Illinois, and DeAndre Swift versus Murray State. And honestly, after Week One and given who he's playing, I feel like I have to pick Jonathan Taylor. And I can't fault you for that whatsoever. So I'm going Jonathan Taylor, and if I lose again, I'm just accepting last place. So let's see. Eric's next, did I say? Yes. So Eric, Eric, Eric. Eric's rankings. Let's see. He has, well, his first one, Travis Etienne. So he will take Travis Etienne against Texas A&M. And that leaves... Let's see. That leaves DeAndre Swift, Chubba Hubbard, and Zach Moss to you, my friend. All right. I had well, my guy is there that I had number one, so I am going uh, going 
with the guy whose name you struggle with, and that being Chubba Hubbard. Chubba. Against this McNeese team. I guess not McNeese State anymore. <laughs> so, and my, I mean, my reasoning being I'm, he is the clear number one there, and he's playing an FCS team. I had I had Swift next for the, basically the same reasons. Yeah. All right, and so then that leaves Settle, and he had Jonathan Taylor first, but he's gone. His next pick is DeAndre Swift, so he will take DeAndre Swift, which means that the ghost team is Zach Moss against ooh, Northern I, Illinois. Ooh, I'm not going to lie. I had him fifth on my list, but I really, really like him too. That's like, the thing like with this five, list. I'm trying like to make it so it's guys. right. Like That's five, what I'm trying to do. But there was something about Moss in that first game. Against BYU, where he was just so no, was it BYU? Yeah, yeah, BYU. Yeah, BYU. It, where he was just so impressive. Yeah, that's the, and that's what I'm going to try to do is you make you put all five, so it's it's tough to pick between all five, and then when you think you have the right pick, you don't. No, I do. Chubb I don't know, gonna, man. Chubb was going to do it for me. Well, I shouldn't talk. You're in first place, so you would probably know better than I would. I'm in first place without picking anybody. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> so if you lose, maybe you'll just go on vacation again and have someone else pick for you. No problems with that. I'll bring my podcast equipment with me. There you go. All right, I guess all the games are done. Let's uh, preview what's ahead in week two here. I have them written down in order. And the first game of all games on Saturday this week in the conference, which kind of, I mean, they kind of do stagger out a little bit. So they're not, there's not too many games that are about at the same time, at least the meaningful ones. But I guess let's just put the conference opener for this week. Is that Cincinnati versus Ohio State game at noon on ABC? Ohio State, a 16 point favorite. Um, you know, I asked you the question earlier of how many points you think Cincinnati's going to score. I think, pretty sure you said 21, right? Yeah, correct. Each other's fine. So, I mean, I guess the line has it at 16. So, I guess my real question for you is: Do you see Cincinnati staying within that number? Do well, they the, keep it close. The the question is: There's well, there's a lot of questions. Is Michael Warren healthy? And how much of an impact can he make on the game? Desmond Ritter showed that he's made a lot of strides going into his second year as the starting quarterback for Cincinnati. And Ohio State's defense isn't as elite as we probably thought they'd be, but obviously you can't judge after one week. But, you know, even in the last couple years, it hasn't seemed like Ohio State's defense has been the the best in the in the country or even like a top 10 you know at times so that's a question the other question is is can this defense stop justin fields and the and the offense they looked really good actually without james wiggins who was hurt for the first game against ucla and that they're going to be tested a lot so they're on the road. They're in Columbus, and you know Ohio State doesn't have the guts to go back to Cincinnati. But you know, whatever. We're not going to talk about that. But it's, I don't know. It's just there's a, there's a reason why Ohio State's the fifth ranked team in the country, and 
I think Cincinnati can cover, but I don't see them upsetting Ohio State. Oh yeah, no arguments with that. I, I it's you know, it's like you said, it's in Columbus. That that's a huge factor. I mean, we all know about the atmosphere there. And then I was actually very impressed with uh, with Ritter. He definitely looks a lot better in year two. I love some of the play calling we saw from Cincinnati as well in that first week. But yeah, banged up uh, Michael Warren. We don't know if Wiggins is going to play this week, and you know he's such a huge factor, especially in the back, the defensive backfield there. So, to whether or not they're going to cover, it's kind of I mean, just just with those two guys alone. Uh, I don't have our top 10 in front of us, but I'm pretty sure we had both of those guys in our our top 10 players in the conference. So, yeah, I, I mean, I could see Ohio State with a, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me basically if we see a similar score from Ohio State as they put up against FAU. Uh, it was 45 to 21. Uh, I said, you know, I said it earlier. You, we both said it, I guess, that the number for Cincinnati is 21 points and, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could see almost an identical score there. But as I just, you know, I hope Cincinnati just gives them, you know, somewhat of a fight. I hope they, you know, just don't lay down. Like, you know, if they go down two scores quickly and, they, you know, they just call it quits or something like that. Just because they're playing Ohio State. There, there's got to be some pride of taking on the, the top dog in your state. Yep, and it's going to come down to... The second half. We I, I know that Cincinnati is capable of hanging on and competing with with Ohio State for at least one half, and then it just becomes of can they make it a game and get into the fourth quarter within a score or two. Mm-hmm. And before we move on, it was good to see uh, Jared Dokes back. I mean, I help. I think that helps ease a little bit of the concerns about Michael Warren. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but so it was good to, good to see him back because even he ran the ball pretty well once uh, you know, Warren was uh, out of the game there. Right. All right, there is another game at noon on Saturday, but, I mean, Memphis should have their way against Southern. They are a 37.5-point favorite. If you want to watch it, that game can be found on, I thought it was ESPN Watch, but I guess now they went back to ESPN 3, whatever, ESPN Plus, whatever they call it. Yeah, we don't need to dive into this too much. Yeah. Memphis is going to win by a lot. Went, yeah, Memphis will win. Like I I put in our, uh, what, what was it, the Fan Pulse poll that we're doing now at SB Nation. You know, the, even the, the following week, I mean, the next two games for Memphis are kind of cupcakes. So we just got to wait till conference play to see what Memphis is really all about. All right, so then following that game, it is arguably one of the few toss-ups that is uh, upcoming this week, and it is those South Florida Bulls taking on Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech is a six-point favorite. It's a 2 o'clock game, and that is on the new ACC network. You know how hard it is for me to say ACC now that I got AAC programmed in my brain. No, I've already switched them up a bunch of yeah, times. Yeah, it's it's really. I literally like when we first started this podcast. I was like, just whatever you do, don't say ACC ever. 
since I live in Maryland, it was like you know, literally a little bit hard for me at first. Now I can't say ACC whatsoever. But yeah, I guess I'll uh, I'll divert to you on this one. I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit already, but you know, the Bulls really got to put up a better effort this week. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they they have arguably the most to prove of any any team in the conference. If we're being completely honest. Yeah, I mean zero arguments with that. Besides, you, besides I mean, UConn, it's like you can you can just everything is just like an asterisk, and then you can put UConn as like the asterisk. I mean, they're not even part of the conference anymore, so <laughs> yeah, seriously, doesn't even matter. I mean, sh- I mean, Jeff, so Jeff Collins knows what he's getting into, so I I think that he'll have an idea of what he wants to do against. Even with UC, US, UCF, geez, USF running a new offense, it's, you know, it's he has an idea of what he wants to do defensively, and he'll run different blitz packages and whatnot to, to screw up Blake Barnett and test that offensive line because they've watched the film of what Wisconsin did, and they're going to try to do a lot of the same things. Yeah, that familiarity I do think is going to help Georgia Tech a little bit. But then I guess you know maybe almost do the flip side too. I mean you know maybe Charlie Strong knows what to expect from from Jeff Collins, but I think it I mean it's it is a little bit different considering that I honestly thought Georgia Tech would you know crap the bed in the first week going against Clemson just because the I mean to go from the option offense to a you know more of a pro style offense. You know, it, it is a significant change, especially when he hasn't really had the chance to recruit his players. I mean, they're still basically all option players that are there. Right. So that's why, I mean, that's a six-point favorite. And it is at Georgia Tech, so, I mean, you have to lean that way. But like I said earlier, like, if you're if you're USF, you have to at least double the amount of yardage that you put up in week one. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, I think all the pressure honestly is on USF because that, you know, they played so poorly last week and Charlie Strong's honestly probably fighting for his job. And Jeff Collins is just starting at Georgia tech. Like no one has any expectations for them and they already kind of exceeded expectations in a way by scoring 14 points against Clemson who, Many picked to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, definitely an interesting game. More interesting I, than the next one. Huh, no doubt about that. You know, just one more. I, I mean, if if they get blown, they being USF gets blown out again, I think you're going to hear a lot of people from the Tampa, Tampa areas talking about looking elsewhere already. Now, I don't think it'll happen this early in the season after two games. But you know that would that would make eight losses in a row, dating back to last year, and I know that doesn't sit well with that fan base down there. There's some uh, crazy fans down there. Well, and the and there's only four teams from last year that lost six consecutive games, and it's UConn, Tulsa, Navy, and USF. So that's not good company. You want you don't want to be in that group, not whatsoever. Especially when 
they consider themselves to be still one of the best programs, not just in the American, but in all the G5. Right. So you got a lot to prove there. No doubt about it. All right, then. I mean, you kind of alluded to it for a second. Uh, the next game on the schedule there is the Illinois team taking on UConn. UConn is a 20-point underdog. That kicks off at 3.30 and can be seen on CBS Sports Network. And, I mean, we touched on it. I mean, if you could barely beat a Wagner team, one of the, I, I don't care what power five team i mean i mean the worst of the worst power five teams being a 20 point favorite even on the road is not that shocking considering what we've seen from yukon there is nothing to be excited about up there other than getting the hell out of this conference yep so it's just uh don't need it i mean illinois is not even that great of a team but they're gonna look good uh on saturday Lovey Smiths need some style points, or they're gonna—you know—they're gonna try to uh, put the pedal to the metal too. They need it. All right, then we have another kind of a a cupcake game. That being Gardner Webb traveling to ECU, the Pirates are a twenty-nine and a half point favorite. I never thought I'd say the Pirates would be a, almost a thirty-point favorite, but I just did. That game is 6 o'clock kickoff, again on ESPN3, watch ESPN, whatever the hell they call it these days. I don't think we really have to really dive into this one too much. Um, ECU should pick this win up with ease. Well, if, if Mike Houston's made a change in the culture and they think that they have a chance of making a bowl game, then yeah, they got to win this one easily and there shouldn't be any doubt in in the end, they may struggle early on, but they got to correct that if they do and show why they're the better team. All right, and then then it is a pretty solid battle. I mean, it probably would have gotten a lot more hype if if the lane train performed a lot better last year than than they did. But it'll be UCF. As a ten and a half point favorite, taking on Florida Atlantic or FAU, that's seven o'clock start, and you can see that game on CBS Sports Network. Now I saw that on our Conference USA podcast. Uh, their guest this week is really big on the Owls pulling off the upset, not just covering, but pulling off an upset against the Knights and. Uh, based on what we have seen the past couple years, and yeah, it was Florida A&M, but I mean, I wasn't overly impressed with what FAU did, even against Ohio State. So I'm a little bit shocked that, you know, obviously there's going to be some people out there that picked a home, you know, picked a home dog. I know usually I'm uh, kind of a fan of a home dog fake public, but, you know, I think it was uh, Jonathan, who's one of our FCS writers. He noted that you know, of all the games this week in all of college football, that the Knights are the one team that almost everyone is backing this week. And I think that's with good reason because, uh, like I said before we started here, I am like 90% sure 
that you will be seeing the Knights in my uh, underdogs against the spread this week, which, by the way, I went 4-1 and one in week one. Tooting your horn, I like it. Got to. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, you have to give UCF the, the respect that they deserve and... And earned, I think, and, at well, this yeah. point. Yeah, and they've, they've definitely earned it, and FAU had that one good year, or two years ago was, you know, they had a good year, and last year was not so good, so you have to give credit where credit's due, and you have to respect the fact that UCF's the better team, and they should win this game. There's no doubt about that. I think... I don't want to say it would be the biggest shock because, you know, who knows what could happen all around the college football landscape. But, I mean, if if somebody is finally able to knock UCF off, because, I mean, their one loss was in, the, uh, in a bowl game last year, so it's been two years since they've lost in the regular season. And, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that it's FAU is going to be the team that finally puts that streak to an end. Agreed. I, think, I agree. I, I think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the conference. You know, a team that you know, play, gets to play them, they get to you know scout them more than once a year. Uh, I think uh, I would be I'd be pretty shocked. Could they keep it close? Maybe, but I, I'm I'm going to be one of those people that thinks UCF should probably win this game by two three touchdowns, even on the road. But you never. The thing is, you just never know with Lane Kiffin, though. I think that's you know, this is a guy who's coached at all over the place, uh, all different levels, and has been, I mean, other than the stint in uh, the NFL, which wasn't really that impressive, but you know, he's he's done well. There's a reason why. Maybe even a year ago, that a lot of people thought that he was going to be able to move into a Power Five gig. And hey, maybe this this might be their one because I, I I mean I'm not sure what FAU schedule is the rest of the way, but he definitely makes a name for himself if he is that coach that finally took down UCF. It'd be a big one for them, but it's just it's just so hard to see that happening. Uh, and zero arguments with that, absolutely zero. All right, then the next game, another seven o'clock start is game that I'm really looking forward to watching, actually. That is North Texas taking on SMU. The Mustangs are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. They're coming off 37-30 win against Arkansas State. I mean, I've been tooting SMU's horn for two years now, and I'm not going to lie, if I was on this podcast last week, uh, actually, when we even when we did the SMU preview, I, I do remember saying that I thought that they would lose that opening game just because I thought the Arkansas State was going to be a pretty solid team this year, and they still could be. I mean, a 37-30 game, it's nothing to really uh, hang your head on. But man, I mean, Mason Fine versus Shane Bouchel. Is it Bouchel or Boucher? God, I Boucher. Bouchel. Bouchel. All right. God, there we go again. I'm just terrible with names. There you go. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, I think, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think 
we're going to see a ton of yards, ton of points. Wouldn't surprise me if you say, well, again, a similar score as last week for SMU, say somewhere around 37 to 30. But these are two, you know, two of the, at least UNT is, you know, one of those teams, I think, if you're like a college football fan, you want to watch Mason Fine. He's one of the very underrated quarterbacks in all of college football. And then SMU this year, you know, I, like I said, I've been tooting their horns and curious to see if they can really be, because I think if, if they somehow manage to put up, it's like, wow. 400 yards, 500 yards of offense and scored 40 some points. I mean, we got to talk about them being in the discussion in that West too. Definitely. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised if they, if they are one of those teams, because you and I have, we, well, you've been higher on them than I have, but we, I don't know. It's obviously, like I said, you don't want to overjudge on week one, but it wasn't super, impressive when they only win by one score but if they can pull out this one it'll be a little bit more interesting given that they lost to north texas last year but they can obviously correct that with the win this year yeah with it being a home game in dallas great i mean they're both teams from texas so it's not really that drastic of a ride even though texas is freaking huge but yeah, that that is the one. I think you can make an argument that between the last two games we talked about are probably the uh, G5 games of the week. And you can also throw that Boise State-Marshall game in there. I think that's going to be a good one as well. That's but, true, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but the the, G, the G5 will have a couple good good games this week. I'm, I'm excited to see that. Even though there is, don't get me wrong, there's some phenomenal games coming in the Power Five as well this week. But just don't overlook these smaller schools. Especially if you're looking for if you're looking for points, I really think this North Texas SMU game might be one of them. I'll agree with that. Now up next is a seven thirty start, which I think that's a I, I don't know that's it just seems like a weird time for me. Seven thirty. Anything thirty well, isn't like that. the ABC game at seven thirty Eastern now? Like they changed it from eight to seven thirty. Is that what it is? Yeah, because that's so what weird. Auburn, Oregon was, and that's what LSU, Texas is. It's kind of weird. It is weird. Why not just have it at eight o'clock? But yeah, right. Well, I don't do the schedule making. I'm sure ESPN and whatnot has a reason for it. But it's uh, that two lane game against Auburn. Auburn is the 18-point favorite. You can watch it on ESPN2. And, yeah, I mean, this... I'm not expecting Tulane to pull off the upset here. But they certainly can make a household name for themselves. I mean, you know, if you're a fan of this conference or even a fan of the G5 as a whole, you know, you were very impressed with what Tulane did after week one. But... Like I said, to make themselves a household name if they can keep it close against Auburn, an Auburn team who's, I, I believe, they're number 10 after this week. Yep. Was, so, you know, you keep it semi-close uh, against a, a true freshman quarterback, by the way. So may, you know, maybe Willie Fritz has something up his sleeve to uh, throw him off a little bit. 
But, I mean, the way he made that comeback as well against Oregon, I thought that was very impressive. So, I, I mean, I think if you're Tulane, this is the game. Yeah, I said that uh, he might have, he being Justin McMillan, throw for maybe 225 yards in this game. But if you want to keep it close, this is when you really stick to your guns. You feed the Corey Dolphin and Darius Bradwell and, uh, you know, see see what goes from there. you got to make this more of a, a ground-and-pound game, keep Auburn's offense off the field, and see if your defense can somehow, you know, limit what Auburn's trying to do on offense. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's maybe a little bit, like, too much too early sort of thing with Tulane you know last year it was preseason everybody was super high on them and then things didn't start very well or didn't end very well I should say so now that they have one win are people overreacting to that one win or is this a legitimate team that's a threat to to beat a team like Auburn I don't think it is but I would be pleasantly surprised if they find a way to do it oh I think I mean Again, I, I would make an argument that would be one of the bigger upsets in all college football if somehow Tulane manages to pull that off. Exactly. All right, I guess I'll ask this question. Which one would be more impressive, Cincinnati knocking off Ohio State or Tulane beating Auburn? Um, probably Cincinnati beating Ohio State just because I think a lot of people believe – Ohio State is a better team right now than Auburn. I think there are a lot of people who don't believe in the Tigers yet because they think Oregon was overrated. So, yeah, yeah, I'll say Cincinnati beating Ohio State. Now i got to think about my own question, huh? I think I have to go with Tulane just because we're – I mean – now, Tulane was, I can't remember their, their record last year right off the top of my head, but Cincinnati is coming off an 11-win 11, 11 season. They're also two years removed from winning four games as well, or three games. Uh, well, Tulane just a couple of years ago was what? Th- four or five games themselves. Right. And I, th- and I think, uh, can you agree that Cincinnati is a little bit more ahead than Tulane right now? In the grand scheme of things, oh yeah, especially after last year. Yeah, I mean, considering, I mean, and not even, I mean, let's just throw out records. Let's just say, you know, between recruiting facilities and things of that nature, I mean, Nippert Stadium usually has a solid crowd there. You, know, you don't necessarily get that in New Orleans all the time, just because people in New Orleans like to party, and most of them, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people down there are LSU fans. I mean, you yeah, walk down, you, you walk down, uh, say Bourbon Street, you don't see Tulane flags all over the place. You see LSU flags everywhere. That's true. So yeah, that's why for me, I don't know if 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 they were to, I, I like I said, I don't think either one's going to really pull it off. But I think if Tulane was to pull that off, I think that would be the way more shocking one. Just because yeah. when's the last time that Tulane was relevant nationally? I mean, it's been a while since Cincinnati was. It was the uh, probably when Brian Kelly was actually coached there was the last time Cincinnati was super relevant. But at least, it, you know, it's not 
too far distant memory when they were a solid team around the country. That's fair. Do it for us, Tulane. Give us something to talk about next week. All right, and then we don't have to talk about this next game too much. Uh, Prairie View A&M going to Houston. There's no line for this game. I think that just says it all right there. That game kicks off at 8 o'clock, and as you can expect, it's not on TV. If you want to watch, it's on the uh, ESPN app. I asked you the question earlier, how many yards do you think they're going to be? I think, you know, Houston, I don't want to say they were embarrassed against Oklahoma, but I also I mean, they think, were, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, in some ways they were, but they weren't. You know I mean, like, I feel like if that was a, maybe other G5 teams, you know, it could have been way, way worse. You know, it, it definitely helps that you have Derek King back there. It's super athletic to just make things out of nothing, but... You know, in some ways, Houston didn't get, I guess for lack of better words again, is embarrassed. But I think this, you know, this week they kind of want something to prove to uh, show that they're still one of the top dogs in this conference and in the uh, the G5 as a whole. So I think it's an FCS team. I mean, would it surprise me if you see a similar score as, say, UCF last week? Maybe not blank the team, but you know, I've, no, their defense needs a lot of work. That's what I mean. That's why I couldn't. I can't say a blank a team, but you know, if they pull off a sixty-five to ten win, I mean, yeah, you could see like seventy to twenty-one. Like that's, that's yeah, not that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Nope. Was kind of, uh, I would love to see what that line is before I get this hundred dollars against the spread in, because if it's anything below forty, I would jump on that in a heartbeat right all right and the last game for the AC, it's a it's another i i, I would call this a toss-up just because like i said earlier i'm i'm not sure what to expect from san jose state whatsoever but i guess vegas will tell you what they think and they they have tulsa as a six-point favorite on the road against the san jose state spartans right Correct. Okay. You know, sometimes I impress myself with just random college football stuff. <laughs> that game's at 9 p.m. Again, on the ESPN app. And like I said earlier, Tulsa's defense, I was actually pretty impressed with them. But what are you really getting from that offense? That is the question mark. And, and let's be honest, I mean, Tol- getting from Tulsa... San Jose, it's uh, it's a little bit of a travel, I guess I should say. So you just never know what to expect from a team a team on the road. Uh, again, I really don't know what to expect from that team at all. I mean, it's not like I've watched them. You know, I don't really follow the conference that well, so I have no idea what to expect from them. And at the same time, other than Tulsa's defense, you know, being somewhat impressive, I mean, their offense wasn't at all. No, and they, it was really more early on. And granted, they had negative seventy yards of rushing, but if I mean, they don't, if they don't turn the ball over football, three you know, times, sack, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's just 
you can't turn the ball over that much early on and expect your team to win. And Tulsa's defense did everything they could to make it a game, but you just can't. You just can't do that. I don't have the numbers of. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but um, the the Baylor transfer Zach Smith uh, wasn't overly impressive in that game as well. No, but when's the last time? It's been since Dane Evans that we've had an impressive Tulsa quarterback. So yeah, but I think I mean you and I both thought well maybe it's just because what school he came from, coming from a Baylor that um, he has seen some better competition, so he would be able to maybe look a little bit better yeah and maybe i mean maybe he does against a team like san jose state that's i mean has been pretty terrible the past couple of years i mean i think we could both agree that if you know they are in the bottom five of all of fbs teams they're bad they're bad yes they are bad so they're they're actually one of those they make you question sometimes how they're in the FBS. You can make the same argument about UConn, obviously. They should play each other. Why is Tulsa playing them? We should see a nice UConn versus San Jose State game. <laughs> who's the Who's really the worst? Oh, jeez. I guess that would be... I mean, UConn is trying to cut travel costs uh, any yeah, that's not they helping. can, so there's no way they're flying all the way out to California. But yeah, I guess let's wrap up that wrap it up there. Do you see Tulsa getting to win in this game, or do you see San Jose State doing something here? Uh, I mean, honestly, with how Tulsa's defense looked, it's uh, I I kind of like them to be completely honest. It's uh, it's one of those games that if, if Tulsa honestly Tulsa is the better team, and if they don't, like I said, if they don't turn the ball over three times against Michigan State early, like they're they're fine. But because they they were awful early on, and their defense had to do everything they could to hang on against Michigan State. Like, they yeah, they're just not going to play that bad again. Mitch, speaking of Michigan State, is one of those teams that should not be in a top twenty-five. Yeah, there's there's plenty of teams you can make that argument for, but yeah, Michigan State, their offense is atrocious. Yeah, uh, they were kind of hard to watch. For how good their defense is, their offense is not good. No arguments with that. Zero. All right. I feel like me and you, since, since it's me and you again, we kind of uh, dragged this out a little bit further than... We probably should. We are at a good uh, hour and change on this podcast right now. So we'll wrap it up here. Um, excited to be back. Excited that college football is here. NFL comes uh, right around the corner. Starts tomorrow night. Actually, we're recording this on Wednesday night. So the NFL starts tomorrow. Football is in full swing, my friend. It's good to be back. I love every second of it. Good to have this you back. Be- Good to be back. Football's here. All right, so make sure you are following 
Underdog Dynasty, whether it be on Facebook and Twitter. Me and Joe got a lot of writing to do. We're basically pumping out different stories every day. And by the way, I want to give you a shout-out. As I saw the uh, the run at Broback, what a great idea, by the way. Right. I like that a lot. I saw that, and I was like, that my man has great ideas. I don't know. I don't know what you did while I was gone, but you come up with a lot of creative stuff while I was there. Dude, away. I've been I've been working. Do you need man. me to go? Do you need me to go away for another month? <laughs> yeah, maybe you're the your absence sparks my creativity. Oh right, okay. I got no problem going back to Italy. Zero problems with that. <laughs> you got the funds for it? That's the real question. We'll talk about that off air because I do. Um, the cost of living over there is so easy. I came back with almost half of the money. So there yeah, I go. could def I could definitely go back over there for another month. All right, eat, see you later. Like eat all that great food all over again. God, I'm gonna miss that more than anything. <laughs> all right, but bring it back. So make sure, yes, you're following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook, Twitter. You can follow me at Joe Serp, Joe at Joe Broback. Um, make sure you are listening to our guys, the other Joe, Joe Longerton, and Eric Henry, doing a fantastic job with the Conference USA podcast as well. And uh, we'll we'll have a couple uh, cross shows, I think. Maybe we can get uh, a couple of those guys to come on next week since we actually have some games in our conference. With, uh, was it two games? Yeah, two games that are in our conference between. So maybe we can get them on, even if it's on for five minutes or something like that. There you make go. Sure. But on that note, thanks again for listening to the Underdog Podcast. And, of course, thanks for listening to our Joe Talk.